Today I want to talk to you about the economy of the heart. Economy of the heart. Naturally speaking, heart disease is the number one cause of death. Astronomical that one in four people are going to die from, from heart disease. And yet early detection is the most important prevention that you and I can do when it comes to our heart. And I think that there is the natural and there is the spiritual aspect that is a great correlation between the two. Amen? And so I have some scripture verses here that we'll put up, first of all. Uh, and there are uh, many, many more. Fact is, the, the word heart, I believe, is referenced uh, and spoken of about 996 times in the Bible. So there is a strong reference, and many of those times it can have, it includes, you know, uh, the mind, the will, the emotions, many of those arenas. So uh, if you would, Andy, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will take out the heart of stone. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. Don't let the word Jew, you know, mess you up right there, you know. But that means that you're entitled to the promises of God, the covenant of God. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The heart is a force, a principle. It's the essential nature of the person. It's that inner life. It is the sum total of all our soul, our mind, our emotions, our will, and our conscience, the heart, thinks, it decides, it senses right and wrong. It is a loving organ. Yes, it is. It's the gateway to our being. The heart can be tender and the heart can also be hard, according to the scripture. And... Satan wants to infect your heart 
and block the flow, the rhythm, the affections, the life flow. He wants to interfere with that life flow of God's spirit. And so, let me give you some perspectives on the heart that maybe, you know, are familiar with you, but also different aspects of it. Number one, we know it's the inner man. It's the main center. In Scripture, it may be speaking of the mind, the will, and the emotions, but it really boils down to the heart. Your inner person, your spiritual life. Yes. Just like this human heart, it's central and vital to our existence. It's the one that determines our motives, our goals, and our aspirations. It's the central pump or powerhouse that circulates lifeblood, both naturally and spiritual. It's where the life-giving flow that provides oxygen and energy to all of the cells or the rest of our being that determines the health of our body, our soul, and our spirit. For out of the heart are the springs of life. The great commandment involves the heart. Amen? It's interesting to see the scriptures concerning the heart. It says that God looks at the heart. It says in Jeremiah, the Lord searches the heart. In Matthew chapter 12, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the good treasure of the heart is brought good things and vice versa. Matthew 15 says, those things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Amen? Matthew chapter 6 For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Talking about the affections or what you love the most. So the heart is the seat and the core aspect of your inner nature. It makes up the person that we are before God. Amen? The wellspring of life. The heart is the person in action. You act by your heart. Yes. The heart is the acting commissioner, the ambassador of your inner being. It's the central headquarters. It is the Corporation center of your living. Out of it are the issues of life. If you would think of your heart this morning as like a corporation, 
that has inputs and outputs. It has entrances and it has exits. Yes, this company of your heart, things come into it and the company of your heart produces things as a result. The issues are the life spring, the spring of life. Thinking in that line this morning, also in this idea of corporation, the internal structure of your heart has different departments. And it's under a CEO. It has company policies and company rules. The CEO is either God, Satan, or self. Yes. And the policy rules... And rules are your belief, your values, your vision, and your relationship. According to Proverbs chapter 25, the heart is like a city. It's like a city. It has many neighborhoods. It has many chambers. And it needs to be protected. Proverbs 25 and 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. In this heart, there's different departments. Your attitude and character. Feelings and emotions, reasoning and perceptions. It says that some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart. They all reasoned in their heart whether John was Jesus or not. So those veins that run into and out from have to do with the heart. The heart is where thoughts, imaginations, intentions, and impulses come from. Why do you think evil in your heart? It came from someplace. The desires, the motivations, and the passions from within the heart proceed evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murderers and thefts and covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lewdness and evil eye and blasphemy and pride and foolishness. The heart condition affects how your brain communicates. How your brain communicates. The heart has to do the will. 
The beautiful thing about the heart is that that is where God's law is written. I will write my law in your heart. Amen. It says in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, about the Gentiles who do not have the printed law, but it says they have the law in their heart. Praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, that's where He dwells when you get saved. It says in Romans chapter 5 that God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, He has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts. Amen? Hallelujah. Even eternity has been placed in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And yet in Romans, with all the light and illumination, their heart's light had went out. It says that their foolish heart was darkened. Light that had been available because it says they've had the truth. They've went ahead and, you know, there's been a light that's been shining in them. And yet they turn away from it. And so it's like the switch finally goes out. And the heart, or the, in this case, the rooms of your heart, you know, the, 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 uh, the roads in the city of your heart no longer have street lights lighting the way, but it's just darkness. And you fumble your way through life and can be very, very difficult. Yes. Now, where it says the heart is deceitful, that is not a new heart. That's the old heart. God says, I'll give you a new one. And yet there are tributaries that are leading still into it that can have a major effect. And so this morning I'm going to talk about some heart conditions. Because God is a God about your heart. In other words, he knows your heart condition before he sees the actions or the outflow of your heart. So it's good to know. Because it gets a, you can discover, you know, if there's any blockages taking place way before there's an evidence that the blockage is there. And so there can be a prevention that's going on, a healing that can take place, and uh, we don't have to suffer the extremeness of it. So let's talk about this morning, first of all, the broken heart. It says that he come to heal the brokenhearted. Broken heart is a condition that arises over time. Those events in life that somehow we expected love and care 
and we didn't receive it. Sometimes there's extreme grief and sorrow in this broken heart. Yes. Broken-hearted people have a wall to prevent hurt. And they fall into unhealthy relationships and sabotage healthy relationships. They walk through life with a limp and they're not even aware. Why do I have this limp? A person with a broken heart oftentimes suffers in the sense of insecurity and insignificance. There's a withdrawal that happens in their life. Naturally speaking, they tell us that you can die of a broken heart. How powerful and why broken hearts need to be healed. Because they come with death sentences. Life cannot function. Yes. We're not talking about this morning, you losing your salvation. I'm talking about you losing how to live life. Broken heart. Yes. He heals the broken heart. The broken heart people get stuck in life and there's addictions that begin to you know, attach themselves. Patterns and dysfunctions and limitations, you know, they stymie us. Many people carry a broken heart. He sent me to heal the broken hearted. I love that song that we sang this morning. You have been faithful. You start singing that. You start believing that. You start play, uh, applying that. There will be a balm that'll come. So what will we do? What should we do if we have a broken heart? Number one, I think we need to start with forgiveness. Forgiveness, you know, wherever it may have come from, the hurt. Forgiveness to the offender, and sometimes forgiveness of yourself. It's hitting the reset button, letting go, and stop replaying the old scenes. Yes, stop replaying the old scenes in your, in your, in your mind, you know, in this, this thing that's connected to your heart. There, there's like movie projectors. Not just one, but a number of them. And each one has a film in it. And you can replay it and it can be healthy or unhealthy. There is a film that God wants to turn on into your life and heal the broken heart. Then there's the fearful heart. Number one, fear is a spirit. 
God has not given us the spirit of fear. But in this arena of fear, that's where insecurity lands. It loves to dwell there. Fear is sneaky, and it shows up with all kinds of disguises. One thing that fearful heart will do is it'll create separation. It becomes trained to avoid past pains from reoccurring. What you'll discover in all of these hearts, they are all interrelated and they all have a connection to each other and have some similarities. But if you have a broken heart, fear will tag team with the broken heart and it will keep you focused on the hurts and keep you from the story of your future. Yes, if you remember the story of the, the children of Israel as they are, you know, on the precipice of going to go into the promised land. And it was fear and insecurity. It began to influence their heart and their heart turned back. It did not go Forward, Yes. Fear, as we know, paralyzes. The cure for fear, excuse me, of course, is to renew your mind in the love of God. For perfect love casts out fear. It's about... You know, refreshing yourself. You have been good to me. All my life you've been good to me. It's unseating that squatter of fear. And when that fear remains there, the outflow or one of the offsprings of it is an angry heart. Yes, that stress and insecurity add another layer to your fear when it's called anger. That anger comes in to defend your brokenness and to protect you from anything that is a threat. Yes, you see, very little anger has to do with current situations. It has more to do with your past wounds that have never truly healed. It is not anger management that you need. It's the Holy Spirit that you need. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit. Check it in on the Holy Spirit. In your life. Yes. Because there's some wonderful things. In the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Thank you Jesus. What is the cure. For an angry heart. Reach a settlement. 
Reach a settlement. Reach a settlement with your adversary on the issues of your life. Come to the conclusion of it. It will rob your life. There's the hopeless heart. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When desire comes, it is a tree of life. A hopeless heart lacks the will to do. Yes, a hopeless heart walks through life compensating for the brokenness. It serves fears. It serves your fear. And you get exhausted. Depression sets in. Now, this is not a psychology lesson this morning. This is the heart issue. When your energy becomes low, I'm not talking about physical energy, but your irritability is high. Your faith becomes weary. The promises of God seem too far away. Breakthrough seems out of reach. Yes. Hope becomes weak. It's giving up. In Paul's story, when he was out on the way to Rome and he encountered the great storm that we know the particulars of it and the shipwreck that has happened, it says that they had lost all hope that they would be saved. It's when everything seems to be against survival. But praise God, there was somebody on the ship that got a word of the Lord. You're going to have loss, but you won't lose your life. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Amen. Hallelujah. We may have loss, but we will not you lose life. Yes, because God comes to bring hope. Now, may the God of hope, one of my favorite and one we've had in our, our uh, uh, fun nights, Fill you with all joy and peace and trusting God that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about getting in touch with the Holy Spirit. When you get in touch with the Holy Spirit, there's a renewal and revival of hope that comes into your life. I've been there. I wouldn't say in an extreme measures, but enough that I recognized, you know what I mean, the lesser part of hope. And, you know, maybe you can do it and just boom, 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 great. You know what I mean? I have to spend a few days. You know, and I'm not talking about, you know, I took eight-hour day and, and, you know, and just stayed at the throne. But I, you know entreating and praying and saying God you know I need you to restore it you know it wasn't about my salvation it wasn't about you know anything of that it was about the future going forward 
God comes and, and he, he does and he heals it. We won't talk much about a hard heart. You don't have that this morning, do you? No, but the hard heart loses its ability to believe. To believe. There's a callousness that forms around the heart. You know, and the eyes are veiled and the hearing is dull and the message of freedom, you know, is never embraced. When our hearts are hard, somebody can encourage you, but it just falls by the wayside. Hard hearts often talk about the past because they have nothing current flowing in their life. The cure for hard hearts is to reconnect. Review God's track record. Remember, remember, hallelujah. There's the number of the checked out heart. That heart is when you just simply disengage. You just simply disengage. No engagement in life and love and hope. A numb and checked out heart is you do all the necessary things but you don't do it with the energy of hope and faith and love. Yes. Now the one that I would like to spend a little bit of time with this morning, and we got to get to healing it, but it's called the drifted heart. Hebrews chapter 2 says, Therefore we must give the earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Drifted from previous convictions, from God's realization of God's power and God's love. When you start to doubt his goodness and you question God's character, you drift from the home base of God's presence. You never intended to go there. It was not planned But you look up. This drifting is seductive and easy to fall into. It can happen even when you're doing something innocent. How do you know if you've been drifting? Drifting has a ripple effect. Yes, it begins to affect other relationships that you used to hold dear in your life. 
Why? Because God is the reason we're able to love well. He is. Without God, everything gets dulled. And we rarely drift toward good things. We pull away from godly influences. Is this all right? We lose our heart for others and and we fall away from that close fellowship with other believers. Those connections that we used to have for accountability that would encourage us in our walk for Christ, we lose connection with. We lose our heart for worship and neglect for church. We fill our minds with excuses of why we can't. Spiritual things that once concerned us no longer concern us. We begin to be influenced by the opinions of the world instead of the word of God. Why is all of these things so important? Because you don't just get a heart attack. There are blockages that begin to set itself up and just interfere with the flow of life. God is a God of recovery. We drift a thought at a time, choice at a time, a damaging doubt at a time. Yes. It's the same trick that he used on Eve to sever Eve's heart. What's the cure? Reestablish and reconnect to truth and first love. Take responsibility. Practice first principles again. Practice first principles again. Because when we have a spiritual, healthy heart, we have proper affections. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's just not Love, like a blanket, it's proper affections. Yes. A spiritual healthy heart has a good attitude. It handles life with grace. Think about it. It's long-suffering. 
It's kind, it's goodness. It's gentle, it's self-controlled. Against such, you know, there's no law against it. How's your heart? David recognized he needed some surgery on his heart. He did not pray to God. Cleanse me so I don't have this adultery motivation. He said, do something with my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Realign my affections. Create in me. Because out of the heart are the issues of life. It flows from there. I'm not not suggesting that we don't need helps along the way to get there. We need counsel. We need, you know, assistance. We need somebody to help us to see. But ultimately, we've got to come to God and let him perform some open-heart surgery. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, and try my mind and my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Created me a clean heart. David understood something was blocking his heart's flow and his help. How do we heal? We've given you a few of those things. But number one, I believe that we need to review God's unconditional love. Absolutely. Review the amazing love of God. If that means going back to Calvary and discovering a deep sense in why Calvary is that great love. Be aware that God is conscious of your broken heart. God knows. He cares about your broken heart. But he wants to fix it. Don't use artificial, you know, things to try to correct your heart. Are you hearing me? 
It says in Matthew, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Life is heavy. Life can be overpowering. Issues of life are greater and impossible for us to resolve or even handle at times. He says, come. Number two, you need to cleanse the wound. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, you know, take some responsibility. Acknowledge your heart, condition. Got to cleanse the wound. There's some antiseptics that they use. And there's antibiotics that they use. In order to be, have complete healing, you got to purge out bitterness, strife, resentfulness, hurt, anger, guilt, and self-pity. They'll hang around and they will infester the wound. And need to renew healthy relationships. Pain is personal. Healing is corporate. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hallelujah. Upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. It's not just the healer that reaches out. It is the one that needs to be healed also reaches out. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Think about it. Amen. Amen. Jesus, God through Jesus Christ has reached out. Now we have to reach out. Got to cleanse the wound. Then you have to protect the wound for healing. Psalms 147 and 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up the wounds. No, seldom is it a one shot deal. You have to put a bandage on that protects from germs that cause the harm. Those spiritual wounds, they got to be guarded from the forces that would slow and stop the healing. I asked my musicians to come this morning. 
Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The abundant of his life that he's talking about is going to flow from a healed heart. The more healed our heart, the more life flow that we have. It's the pump. It's the pump that flows to the rest of our cells, our limbs. As you protect the wound, you drag yourself out of self-pity. Let somebody else do it. (laughs) Yes. Renew your mind. Worship. And don't pick at the wound. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. You've got to keep a sterilized environment. Do not love the world nor the things that are in the world. For if man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the love of the Father is absolutely of necessity for a healthy spiritual heart. There's I've sat with a couple enough in doctors checking the heart and they'll see something in there and they'll say, that's a heart attack waiting to happen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we got to protect the wound. And then you got to monitor the wound. You have to continually closely examine it for signs of infection. Infections that can spread to the rest of our lives, poison in our faith and our relationship. And as a result, we develop a chronic spiritual wound. And it infects infects us with more anger, hurt, and doubt. But that's not all. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, but I've been in under their care. You gotta check for new growth. In the monitoring of the wound, you check for new growth. 
spiritually speaking, you will know that new growth is happening when it doesn't hurt as much. When you feel like doing good, there's new growth. Hallelujah. That is happening, hallelujah, in the wounds of your heart. Amen. We all come in life with a hard heart. And if you have never received Jesus or you don't know Jesus and you hear the good news and, and yet somehow, you know what I mean, it just doesn't compute. It's because you have to have a new heart. And then the wellsprings of the new life begin to curse. Course. <laughs> Not curse. <laughs> I didn't think that was quite right there, but course through begins to flow to through the arteries of life and the arenas of life. But it all starts right in the heart. No, the old phrase that Rome wasn't conquered in a day. You know, you're probably not going to get the life flow to every part in a day either. Because we grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Jesus Christ. You know, we're in the process of becoming. As you stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. And last but not least is that we got to trust the great physician for our healing. Let's presume that we do not have any heart diseases. How do we prevent it? Just like the natural proper diet man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God the words that I speak to you they are spirit and they are life and then exercise what is the spiritual exercise you don't have, I'll answer it for you Godliness. Bodily exercise, that is natural or physical exercise, profiteth little. But godliness is profitable. Hallelujah. Amen. For all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to Come. It has a dynamic effect on the everyday living and the guarantee of an amazing entrance into the kingdom of God. Yeah. 
what are we going to sing? Oh, yes. This is not a new subject. It's not new to me. I've, as a pastor, it, nobody from this church has ever hurt me. But that doesn't mean I haven't had hurts. Seriously, nobody's ever hurt me, but I still have had hurts. Because my own person, my own inner being, my own heart, it's interpretive. Yeah. You know, God could have done a better job. <laughs> I'm worthy of a better, you know, situation. Huh? Sure. Yeah. We still get, you know, somebody doesn't have to have hurt you. Hurts just come from within sometimes. So we just got to go and say, heal us. Heal us, Lord. Heal us. Amen. So you can move forward. You can go forward. Amen. Do we got it this morning? Thank you for your attention. Thank you for being here. God bless your week. Hallelujah. God is preparing us for some amazing things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for giving me the extra time this morning. I know I've went considerably long today. But our future and our life and our tomorrows depend upon our heart condition. We can go through life, you know, and the heart conditions don't show up until way down the road. Yeah, it doesn't mean that there's not blockage, just that we're not aware of the blockage that's starting to take place. And I can tell you this, that when I began to ask the Lord and recognize some of these areas of my life, it did not happen in that setting. No. Now, by and large, he started to help me, you know, to use those processes of healing and not replaying. And then as a result, all of a sudden I noticed there was new flesh, you know, new senses. Things weren't hurting like they had. You know, Father, as we leave today, We go in the grace of you and the mercy of you. And as we leave, I ask you, Father, today that, or I say, Father, we come to you. We come to the Holy Spirit. We come to Jesus Christ, our Savior. God, and monitor our heart today this week our life and heal us that we might be whole not just in our body 
but in her heart. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Go with God because he's surely going with you.